This week's episode of In Her Shoes may contain themes or discussions which could be considered triggering for some of our listeners. This includes references to mental health, including anxiety and depression. In addition to this, all of the participants are not medically trained. Therefore, everything you hear is based off personal experiences. If you are impacted by anything discussed during this show, please contact your GP, visit the NHS website online or go to mental health charities such as Mind. Hello and welcome back to another episode of In Her Shoes and this week we are going to talk about mental health. So just a little disclaimer here, the three of us today we've got me, Rebecca and Barbara. The only thing that we can discuss is things that impact our own personal lives and what's happened to us. So with that being said, this year, well I say this year, we're only a few days in at 2021, it feels like we've been here for a few months at this point. But last year, 2020, and the beginning of 2021, has been incredibly difficult for everyone. I think I'm right in saying that. So mental health's really, really important at this point, because we've been through three national lockdowns. Well, we haven't even been through the third national lockdown yet. But it's been really difficult. It's been a lot of strain for different people. So what about you guys? How do you think your mental health's got worse over the last year? Or do you think you've dealt with it? What's, what's I mean, just how are you, really? <laughs> how's everyone doing I, i'll go first so i think with the first lockdown initially it was okay for me because i had uni work and it meant that there were no distractions so i couldn't you know go and do extracurricular stuff i couldn't go and do my student paper i couldn't go out to clubs or pubs with with my mates or whatever so for me it was kind of a blessing in disguise in the sense that I could, like, I came back home, so I had my parents sort of, like, not watching over me, but being like, are you doing your diss, you know? So I, like, I was able to kind of establish myself in a regular routine, getting up early, maybe going for a run, coming back, having a shower, and then cracking on with diss and other work. But then I think for me, it was, like, when that sort of went. So I remember it was, like, something to do with, like, half seven in the morning, I submitted like my last ever university assignment and then it was just kind of like what now because that should be a time where you go out you do loads of stuff you're getting ready for graduation you know you're sort of getting excited about applying for jobs and grad schemes and things like that and it just felt really empty after that in the first lockdown and I'd sort of seen like obviously university is a stressful time to begin with and you know you you do have ups and downs but when that's sort of gone you sort of don't know what you're doing next as well because it wasn't as if like I had mates who were younger than me and they were like oh we're just going to think about what we're going to do for our disses you know we've got stuff to do and for me it was like I've finished university (laughs) what what do I do next so I think for like a good couple of months I was just really up and down and I didn't know what to do and obviously you see all the reports of like all the covid briefings happening every night being like things are getting worse you know it's it's dreadful everything's doom and gloom you know couldn't see friends couldn't see family and yeah it just sort of like really hit and then i think with the second and third lockdown like at the minute you guys will will agree we've got so much work to do so it's like even though we are in a lockdown, we still don't. We still probably wouldn't have been able to have gone out to the pub or or seen as many people, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think the the first one was all right until it wasn't all right, and then from then finding stuff to occupy myself with has kind of been a bit of a saving grace. 
And what about you, Barbara? Because obviously, I mean, me, me and Rebecca are in a really similar position where we both graduated last year around about mid-June time. But what about you? And you've got three kids at home. So I can imagine them not being able to go to school and having to occupy them and look after three babies as well as yourself. I can imagine that's it's not easy. Yeah, I think I think probably if I was to look after three babies, it would have been a lot easier uh, because they didn't have to do any homeschool. So, you know, I think, and I'm pretty sure that most of the parents would agree with that, what from one day to the other, we found ourselves in the position that we had to teach our children. And yes, of course, the school has been great, they tried to send as much material they could, but it's a long day and often they finish really early and there is a constant battle trying not to get them back on their electronic devices. So you want to try to keep them occupied at least until you know they, they were supposed to finish school. In the same time, you need to do your work if you got a full-time job, or in our case, we need to study. So it's really, really complicated. And you got, obviously, in my case, I've got three children, they, three different years. One is in year six, one is in year seven, and one is in year nine. Non-exams, well, I suppose year six was supposed to have started, but they've been cancelled anyway. So we, we don't have to worry about GCC or A-level, not yet. But on, on the same, by the same token, you don't want them to lose any precious education because one day will be payback time. You know, all what they really don't understand. How can you expect children can understand that when they are 11 or 12 years old? All the big chunks of education that they're missing now one day they will miss them when they start to go to university when they want to apply for a good university so they're all things that one day will be there and say oh i should have listened to my mom and do a bit more work so we found ourselves doing algebra geometry human body english grammar um and i try to keep their italian going as well because my children are all bilingual so it's it's really really complicated and i think even for parents that they were in a normal situation before it's it's, it's been putting lots of pressure lots and lots of pressure most of the time fortunately i must say is the pressure goes on mums for lots of different reasons uh, because the mum has got that natural, it's, it's our nature that we are there for the children and we want to help them and is part of us and probably we will feel guilty if we didn't do that because it's our assigned role that we got from the society so we are there and we have to do it. Often the dads are the breadwinners, so, you know, obviously if they have to work from home, we must make sure that they do their job and we we can try to take a step back as usual. And sometimes, you know, the, the dad is not in this on the scene, so it's, it's, I think in this situation, probably pandemic, it's been one of the situations where you can see still this, that there is a big, big problem with who is going to take over all the family matters. And in this in this case, it's usually mums. So yeah, for my household, I think the homeschooling has been the biggest challenge of this pandemic. And I will add to the fact that the children cannot really do sports. My children, they were all playing basketball, which is an indoor sport. So they cannot, they haven't been able to play for a long time. 
and it's not the same saying where well, you can go out in a park and try to play. It's not the same as obviously they were all doing it in a competitive way. So they're really, really, it's really important sport for for children. I would say as much, probably as much as, as school, because it's not just, I said before about the education, but on the other hand, we are talking about important years for the social development as well. And sport is fundamental for that. So yeah, I think everybody suffered in a different, different way. Your generation, probably because you find yourself finish university and have this year where you don't really know what is going to happen. You couldn't really get into any undergraduate programs. Teenagers, they cannot really develop because they cannot see their friends. They're going to go out. They cannot play uh, the sport that they like. And as parents, try to make them do some schoolwork. So, <laughs> and of course, let's not forget the grandparents that they cannot see their grandchildren, which has been a huge sacrifice for them as well. And I think as well what you were saying about how like every single diff- generation's differed in a different way. And what I've kind of seen online, I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but there's a lot of battling between, I think most, I think for the first lockdown, everyone was one big unit, one big country. Yes, we have to do this. We have to stick together. But now I've kind of seen a lot of different things about, oh, well, you guys have it easy. No, you guys have it easy. And there's almost like battling between different generations or different groups. Whereas, like you said, everyone suffered in a different way. And from what you said there about us graduating, I honestly applied for this master's last year, kind of not on a whim. I wanted to do journalism, but I would have rather got a job just because, you know, four years worth of student debt is not going down great. And this is my fifth year now of education, which is a long time to be in higher education consecutively. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the master's and, and things. But so when I kind of found myself graduating I was like look there's no jobs I'm going to do this master's continue my education get some qualifications under my belt that's fine and I'm very lucky that I have parents who let me stay here and who kind of took me in and support me through that master's so that's absolutely fabulous and that's great but I know a lot of my friends graduated and there was just no jobs and they hadn't applied for master's and now they were too late for applying to master's or they didn't know what they would want to do a master's in so there is kind of a lot of this displaced generation and even with myself I found that kind of difficult because obviously we didn't graduate like we didn't get a proper graduation they were like right thanks for your money there's a certificate in the post and I felt that like it was really hard to come to terms with because I just felt like and I was I was working towards the end of my degree from March I was working in the NHS as well so I was kind of full-time NHS staff and finishing my dissertation and was it, I mean, obviously it was really busy. I only worked in a GP practice as a receptionist. So I wasn't like on the, the front lines in the hospitals per se, but it was just hectic. And when I got home, I was just finishing off my dissertation and then like, that was it. And so I just didn't feel like I ever had a, this is the end of my uni. This is the start of my master's. Cause it was just one really long, I'm like working now. So yeah, I just find it really difficult to come to terms with. And I, I did end up like going to therapy in the summer. Cause I, I was just a bit lost, I felt. And I, I realised that it was mainly just because I hadn't really come to terms with anything that had happened. Yeah, but it was just a bit of a really weird time. And like with what Re- Rebecca said about you can't go out to pubs, you can't celebrate, you can't do anything. And it, it was really weird as well because obviously we had the first lockdown and then it was like, it's fine, here's 50% off food, go and enjoy yourselves, go and do everything. And then I think the younger generation in particular, they were like, 
well, thank you for the rising rates in September now. Look at what you've done. And I was like, what do you mean? You're giving like 50% off food. I'm broke, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that offer. So I felt like we kind of had like a lot of stuff placed on us because it was like, your, it's your fault now. And then from, it was, it was just mad when you think about it because we were in lockdown and then it was like a, a free for all for a month. It was like, go and do whatever you want. And then it's been like constant restrictions since, particularly in the Northeast, we've been in like tears since September now. So I think it's getting to the point now where the first kind of lockdown I was okay and then it got like a little bit bad but now it's almost like a numbing feeling like it's we're just used to it now like this is it and I I think it's really difficult for a lot of people myself included to see the end of it now because it's just been for nearly a year it's like oh is this is this it like are we ever gonna not have restrictions are we ever gonna get back to normal because it was almost like promised in July time like things are opening again things are getting back to normal and then they just haven't and the rates aren't slowing down at all. And when they announced the vaccine, it was like, we have a vaccine now, this is great, everything's fine. But now we've gone into another lockdown. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, criticise the <laughs> NHS or anything. Like, they, they've done such an amazing job and I cannot even begin to imagine how difficult it must be to be a nurse or a doctor in the hospitals at the moment. They are absolutely incredible. And, and everyone who's involved in the vaccination programme as well, from developing it to rolling it out as well. But it's, yeah, we're just... I'm just numb at the moment. I just, I can't really see the end of it. And I think that's what's having a, a huge toll. Because at the beginning, there was almost optimism. And that optimism has dried up. And I think we're all a bit fed up and sick. I completely agree with you on that. And I think that's one of the reasons why lockdown number one was all right. Because you could see that end. It was like, right, this is just a temporary thing. We're going to lock down. And then things are going to get better. And like you say, eat out to help out. I don't know about you guys, but me and a couple of friends definitely took advantage of that when we moved back to our uni digs for a little bit. But I think now, you're right, it is just numbing. Like It feels like it's just a vicious circle that's never going to end. And again, those sort of outlets that you have are completely gone. Like Sport is such a, such a big thing, and especially in lower leagues, non-league football is really, really suffering. Because obviously you see like, Premier League games here, there and everywhere and that's that's really good because a lot of people do tune into those, like casual football fans watch those and stuff but you look at the non-league sort of scene of things and like it's just been moved from pillar to post like over Christmas I was supposed to go along and report on a match on Boxing Day and a match on New Year's Eve and then I'd like done a load of work for it and then a few days before the Boxing Day one it was like yeah it's cancelled a few days before the New Year's Eve one's like yeah it's cancelled and it's like it just feels like nothing can go back to normal does it it, it doesn't feel good because those are outlets for for people to sort of do things and like like you said before quite rightly the the usual things that you would do to sort of cheer yourself up or whatever whether it's going to a football game or go in to have a coffee with your mates or go to the shops even you you can't do it so I think a lot of people are finding themselves really holed up really isolated and not being able to sort of cheer themselves up in that way I mean I'm guessing everyone's got all the subscriptions and the so Netflix Prime Disney Plus if you're really feeling feeling it but it just doesn't quite have the same sort of effect, does it, as, as speaking to people and like Zoom calls as well. Since the latest lockdown was announced within about two days, I've had mates in various group chats being like, so when we're doing the next Zoom quiz, you know, when we're having a couple of beers and, and doing that. And one of my friends, she is my age and she's shielding for, for a condition she has. And at the moment, 
she doesn't have any uni work because she finished it all and she's living by herself in a flat up here for another couple of weeks and i can only imagine what that's like because like i say there's nothing to do is there and when you're sort of rattling around by yourself it's really really hard i know my mum is shielding and she was shielding all summer and she was fine at the beginning but at the end i definitely noticed how much it definitely impacted her and she would say to us and we kind of have not not arguments but like little biggers because me and my dad we both worked in the same gp practice so we would come home from like a 10-hour shift of like non-stop in the nhs in a pandemic and then we would come home and she'd be like, yeah, but you've been at work. At least you've been out of the house. And we're like, no, but we're working in healthcare in a pandemic. And there was like, because we kind of understood that she wasn't by herself all the time. But at the same time, we were like, we would rather be at home than be like in the fire line of this and like putting ourselves at risk all the time. But then she was at home and she was like, no, I would rather be out and doing that than like being at home. And obviously as well, at the beginning, there was like a bit of a fear because we were working there we literally started well my dad always worked there he was full-time but i only started working there like after we came home because we knew like the university might shut and things but it still wasn't like the pandemic if that makes sense we weren't in like mm-hmm. full force lockdown yet and um, my mum hadn't got her shielding letter yet so we obviously my dad had to work there and i'd started working there for like money but then obviously there was a whole she was shielding and couldn't go out but then we were going and seeing like however many people a day so there was a, there was definitely like tensions there and, and fear because I was like oh my god I'm gonna kill my mom like <laughs> it was it was really scary for for everyone involved and obviously I, I was fine at the beginning of the pandemic I kind of had that typical young person attitude of oh it's probably not going to affect me I'm fine but then as we started getting more more phone calls and like more patients were dying and more people were dying on the news I, I actually got quite scared I was like oh my god what if what if I I do get really ill because then there was reports of young people dying and I then started to get really scared of it and I think that kind of impacted my mental health because I was like I'm terrified of like contracting it I'm terrified of contracting it and me being ill I'm terrified of giving it to my mom and like obviously with her having a shield like she was really high risk and then yeah it was and then like the stress of like finishing uni and then having that that workload as well and again like going back to the NHS staff at the moment who are on the front lines I cannot imagine because I was like behind a glass thing anyway as well so I, I cannot physically imagine what it's like to have to be treating patients all the time and then going home to your family like that must be absolutely terrifying to do that especially if you have someone who is is shielding yeah that's yeah, my but I was sorry I was just gonna go to what you've just said Alifia about reading the news and obviously getting more worried and more scared and there are many studies of it we are journalists and we know that uh, obviously we have moral, ethical and legal obligation to write what we see without obviously deforming it in any way. But obviously in a situation like a pandemic, you are exposed, you know, to a huge amount of negative news. And this can obviously have an impact on people's mental health. There are many, many studies that connect the, the watching negative news to the the, the, uh, the activation of the sympathetic nervous system, which obviously causes your body to release stress hormones like cortisol or adrenaline. And they can also cause physical symptoms, like the, usually the common ones can be f- fatigue, anxiety, or, or also depression, trouble sleeping. And they're probably in a way 
symptoms that we all experienced in the last few months because there was this constant flow of negative news, which is what was happening. It is what's happening in the world. So we cannot really, as reporters, we cannot report anything different. But I do realize as a reader or obviously a watcher that it can have a huge impact because I felt exactly the same. So there are little tips that maybe we can give to people and that have been reported in in several studies that they say maybe if you find yourself in a situation where you realize that the negative news are too much for you, you can try to limit your time each day and maybe even schedule uh, a worry time, let's call it, where, you know, like you eat, you, you, you know, you got time for reading your book or a time to eat or a time to do exercise and give yourself just the time to watch the news and leave it, limit the time just to that. Don't watch anything more than that. Or also another uh, advice that we can give to people is to always to watch reliable news outlets. Because unfortunately, in times like this, there is lots of misinformation. And often this happens through social media. And so you can see that how lots of comments, negative comments, those can all feed the anger. And again, anger is is a um, it can become a mental, a mental problem, a mental health problem. So all these things that we can just tell our our readers. And they're just to help out in a situation like this, because unfortunately we cannot show the world in a different way. We can try to rebalance it with positive news. But as you said before, you can, it's, it, we are in a situation now where it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is, because the vaccine are coming and it will take a few months. So there will be light at the end of the tunnel. But considering that the, the previous lockdown was in March, so the spring was coming, the sun was shining, you can you could go for a walk and that, you know, a bit of sun always will put the, the world right. I say that as a Mediterranean person where, you know, sunshine is everything for us. Uh, in January, the impact also of the weather is completely different. Even even before lockdown, even before COVID, we all have January blues. After Christmas, we were all skinned. <laughs> we had no money, so we couldn't do anything. So it was always a bit like that. But this is obviously even hard now with the situation that we have. And maybe you could subscribe to a nice podcast like Kawer. <laughs> so nice and that will bring nice you a smile. Blow. A smile on your face as well. And I feel like what you said there about the weather, like me and my friends would meet up in the first first and second lockdown to go for walks and things, but obviously now that's really difficult. Or we still do it, but we get drenched. And as well, I've seen like government guidance of, of obviously the closed gyms. And I know there's like home workouts and things, but they're like, go and exercise in a park. I'm like, by the time I finished work as a woman, I'm not going to go and exercise in a park in the dark by myself. Are you mental? Not going to happen. And also it's wet. <laughs> But but yeah, so yeah, yeah, I know exactly what, what you're saying. It's I think what you said there about news is quite good because obviously as like journalists, we want people to watch the news. That's our income. But at the same time, you've just got to look after yourself. Like you've got to do what's best for yourself. And the reliable news is so important. I think I was watching that documentary. What was it called? The 
you were watching as well, Barbara, The Social Dilemma. Social Dilemma, yeah. Social Dilemma, yeah. And they said that fake news now spreads six times faster than real news. So if you are on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're getting your news, make sure they are a certified journalist. They either have it in their bio of who they work for or, you know, their, like, their qualifications or et cetera, or, like, that they have a blue tick next to their name. Like, I will not retweet anyone for, for news. I will retweet, you know, if you're very funny, feel free, give me a tag. <laughs> but... I will not retweet anyone for news unless like, I go in their bio and I know exactly who they work for and exactly who they are and that it is a reliable source. So moving on from that, what about our... I know we've kind of touched on that a little bit when talking about the pandemic, but about us. I know I've already talked on this podcast about how I had an eating disorder a few years ago. I also had a... I don't want to say have a run-in with, because that sounds... you know, But it's not like a long-term, but I've also had depression and anxiety so but yeah so i i think it's it's a lot more common than we let on i think as well in england we have a very stiff upper lip and we're like get on with it you know it's it's very much like i think it's getting better now we are we are talking about it more but it is very much like when i was young don't talk about your feelings don't bring up did you have any of these problems like i remember when i was living in the us you know how in england we're like oh hi like how are you or like oh you all right and obviously in England, we reply with, I'm fine, how are you? That's it. <laughs> in America, I was like really caught off guard because they're, they're very open and honest with their emotions a lot more than us. And I'd be like, oh, hi, how are you? And they'd be like, well, my like cat died yesterday. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, I didn't want an answer. Like, I didn't, I didn't mean for that. But when I was living there, I actually got a lot more used to talking about my emotions. And I think that's why I'm like a lot more open now because like, every conversation I had with someone would, would be very open and honest. But, but what about, like, do you, and as well, because Barbara, you're from Italy as well, is it the, kind of the same as in England? Is it a bit more open or, like, is there any cultural difference in terms of talking about mental health or...? I think that there, there are huge cultural differences because we we express our emotions in every way too much, if it's possible. <laughs> we express our emotions with, uh, with the way we talk, with the way we... Uh, use our hands when we talk, you know, everything, everything, express emotions. But by the same token, though, I, fe- I feel in um, in Italy, probably a bit in the Mediterranean places, the countries, there is still a bit of stigma anyway connected to mental health. And I think all of us, we always use the word depressed, depression, I'm depressed, you know, in a, in a bit of an easy way. And in a way that at some point it kind of take away the importance of using the word depression. It's a bit like crying wolf, oh, I feel depressed, I feel depressed. And then when you actually are depressed, you 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 kind of really struggle to ask for help. That should always be instead, even at, at the beginning, even in a situation like this, which is an extreme situation, everybody is giving help and support. So we shouldn't have any 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 problem really to ask for help. As you said before, girls, it was a problem also of not meeting. You know, we cannot meet the usual friend where we will just tell her all or tell them all our problems. What would you do? You know, it's not the same if you have to speak through a screen, and it's not the same if you are talking with um, a, a glass of wine or anything else in front of you, you know, it's it's totally a different things. So we do need that support that we are not having at the moment. 
and uh, different ways. You know, you're living with your families. I have my family 3,000 kilometers away, so I don't even know what's happening to them. Well, obviously, I talk to them every day, several times a day. They will never, never forgive me if I missed three <laughs> times, three, three hours call a day. But it's not the same as popping around to make sure they're okay. My parents are always both over 70, so you connected to, to their age. There are a lot of other problems, health problems, which it, they put lots of pressure on me. And like me, lots of other people, maybe they have the parents in the same, still in the same country, but miles and miles away. Um, so there are lots of reasons why really people shouldn't be ashamed to feel a bit down. Uh, let's say a bit down if we don't want to use or just overuse the word depressed. I think that's sometimes that's the problem, especially with men. They will find it really, really difficult accept that they have a problem and ask for help. You know, men usually don't ask for help anyway, never mind in, uh, in this case. So I think if it's a message that we can definitely give is... Um, with all the available help, don't have a, any any shame. Don't feel we're, we're all, you know, we, we have heard lots of times during this pandemic, we're all in the same boat. Well, we're not because there are big boats, there are small boats. There's people who doesn't have a boat at all. The people that cannot put fuel in that boat. There are overcrowded boats and there are really lonely boats. So, I'm sorry, we're not all in the same boat. It's, co it's a completely different situation for each one of us. The only thing that we have in common is that we have to wait for better times. And if, if we really are struggling, we just really need to ask help. We need to ask help now. I think what you said there, there's, there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, the overusing the word depression or even anxiety, I think that that goes out to. Because I think a lot of people kind of say like because obviously anxiety is is an emotion as well as it is a mental health problem so some people are like oh i have anxiety when they just mean i am anxious at the moment and same with depressed like i'm depressed whereas they're just down because i i found that like i generally thought that my my overthinking and my like sadness i didn't realize i had a problem because i just thought oh well, that's what happens to everyone because like everyone feels like that and things and it wasn't until like i actually like kind of really hit a really, really low point that i was like oh man this is not like okay and i think what you said there about men as well please just ask for help like like it's it's so true because i think women are a lot more open with their friends as well whereas men probably aren't as open with their friends just from kind of what i, I mean i'm not a man obviously so just from what i've picked up but yeah so i think that is really really important to actually ask for help and what about what about you rebecca do you want to weigh in with it? sort of coming on the the men point i mean being a woman in sport, it means that I often have a lot of male friends. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was talking to some pals about this um, for an article a couple of months ago. And I think the sort of thing that they were saying is that it's always been a thing for them to sort of hide and shield their emotions. And it sort of backfired on, on them quite a bit. And now, especially with the pandemic, if there's one sort of good thing to come out of the pandemic or something that we can work on it's about being able to talk about feelings not just men but but women too which is a really really positive thing because i think that before the pandemic a lot of people 
maybe were struggling with their emotions. It may not be something like like we've just talked about depression or anxiety, but it's like sort of being okay to say, Oh, I am feeling down because I'm I'm a very shielded person just naturally. And I think in the past there have been moments for me where in hindsight I probably should have sort of said to someone, I'm I'm not feeling great. Um, can we have a chat? Can we go for a pint? Whatever. Um, not everything has to revolve around the pub, of course, um, but often find that it does help sometimes. And sort of getting to that point and being able to do that, even if you, you just sort of speak to someone and, you know, you don't even talk about the problem, but just having that sort of contact there can be really, really useful in going out. And obviously the pandemic has made that a lot more difficult, I'd say, because I've lived with different people for the last three years and coming back home although I know I can talk to my parents about anything and everything it doesn't hit quite the same talking to them about stuff than it would with a mate like last year in our house obviously we me and my flatmates had loads of different things going on there was the pandemic of course um starting to boot off um there was graduating fears about all sorts and it was just sort of like those conversations would stem from just being sat on the sofa watching a film and you know somebody being like oh, i'm just feeling a bit iffy about this and then you could talk and obviously like like barbara said before sort of it doesn't really work quite the same without the face-to-face person having that conversation sort of naturally take its course but no i, I do think that it's starting to get better and people are starting to be able to talk about things more and more openly which can only be a positive going forward and do you think as well i feel like at the moment whilst the pandemic like you said has made people want to talk about things more made made everyone realize that you know not everyone's okay at the moment and it's fine to talk but i think there is a few people that for mental health because i feel like mental health is often like sidelined to physical health just because we can't see it and it is really difficult to understand because if you've got a broken bone you've got a broken bone right yeah you know how to treat that if you've got a mental health problem it comes out in all different sorts of ways for all different sorts of people so it is very individual, it's very personal. You know, one person's depression might look completely different to another person's depression. But because it is sidelined in in everyday life, I feel like a lot of people at the moment are worried to reach out to the NHS because they're like, they're so overwhelmed, they have so many things going on, and they're really busy in the middle of a pandemic, I can't possibly, and you know, go because I feel a little bit sad or because I feel <laughs> a little bit tired or a little bit anxious or etc i know is that is that just me or do you guys feel like that do you think think there is kind of a at the moment or just in general people being scared to reach out for help possibly generally now um because even though there's more and more stuff being talked about like said before like this week alone i've seen so many people put out on social media like numbers to to ring and stuff that the possibly is that reluctance to maybe speak to someone because we're all sort of having this experience of a global pandemic together and you don't really want to be someone else's burden when they're also going through the same thing as you. They're also feeling a, a bit down because they can't go out and they can't sort of have a normal life and stuff and you don't want to place that burden on them. So I wouldn't even say it's necessarily thinking about the NHS, it's thinking about other people as well. But that just might be my stubborn British mentality of not wanting to be a bother to anyone. I don't know what Barbara thinks. No, I, I just think we have to also, maybe because I have children, it's important to think about their mental health as well. And that can come in different different ways. For example, I have had a problem with my 14 years old that he couldn't, he couldn't really sleep. 
So, and that, again, is a symptom of something not going the right way. And they cannot express it, you know, they, they, they don't know what's, what's going on. They know that there is a big situation, a big pandemic, but they cannot really understand what's happening to their life. So, you know, we start to apply little things, just leave his phone downstairs before going to bed, just to not have the temptation to check the time every 10 minutes, or just try to talk through and see what what is worrying him and try to explain to him that, you know, we will get out of it. Having said, if you don't, if you cannot go to sleep, you come and wake me up anytime. And he did, three o'clock in the morning. So we had a lovely chamomile evening and we watched a movie together at three o'clock in the morning just to kind of make them feel reassured because, of course, we are going, if we adults were going through what we are going through, just imagine for children that cannot really understand what's happening. So um, for now things are much better with him. He can go, he can, he can sleep okay. We still find an agreement about leaving his phone downstairs anyway, but sometimes that's not enough. So if that, if you realize that your child has still problems, again, it's time, you know, you ask for help because it's important to intervene as, as, as quick as possible to make them feel reassured. And maybe sometimes they need somebody else to explain to them what's happening. So that's the advice that I feel to give if uh, uh, there are parents that are listening to us. There is a, a therapist on Instagram. I cannot remember her name. I will probably put it on our social media later. But she does videos about how like different things in childhood come out like later on in life. So like you know, the, the, their caregiver says, like, when they're, when they're feeling down, like, oh, do you want some chocolate? It'll make you feel better. And then as an adult, they'll, like, comfort or associate different things. But she did, she does some ones about, like, children for, like, parents. And she says, like, you know, sometimes children are like, oh, I feel sick. Or, like, oh, I'm not hungry. Or I have a tummy ache. Um, and she was like, it might not always be physical. It might be, if it's, like, constant, then it's because, like, they're anxious or, you know, they, they don't know how to express themselves and articulate. So I think what you said about the not sleeping as well is, is, is probably a part of that as well. So like anything like that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a parent, I'm not a psychologist, just putting that out there, but when I do find her name, I'll put it on our socials. But yeah, like physical, it comes out physically in children more often than, than anything else. And like what you said really early on about how your kids now, you, they can't go to sport, they can't go to school, and how important that socialisation is for young kids. Because I think it's important for adults, but especially for children when you're developing and you're making friends as well. Because for kids, like, school is really rough. Like, I, I, I remember it, you know? I remember the days. And if you don't have that really supportive, like, friend group, and especially, you know, like, teenagers now who are trying to... Do, well, they're not doing their GCSEs anymore, I don't think, or, or A-levels. But no. that's such a stressful time. Like, you don't know what's happening with the university. You don't know what's happening with your education. If you're in year nine, for example, which I, I believe... Your son's, is he in year nine if he's 14? Year yeah. nine, that is a terrifying time you're supposed to be choosing your options, gearing up for GCSEs. If you've now missed like a year and a half of education, only about a year of education, sorry, like that puts you in such a difficult position to then go and sit GCSEs in a year's time. Like it, it is really scary for them. You know, and I think we shouldn't diminish that. It's a terrible time. You're supposed to be figuring out what you want to do or getting an idea. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, really hard because it's, it's, something is to put my 
life on old, uh, 45 years old, something is to put a 14 years old life on old, uh, where they've got, they have, to, they have to start to think about the GCC, they start to think about what, what are the subjects that they like. Sometimes they are lab related and they cannot, they don't have access to a lab. And, you know, it's, it's something is to do science, looking, uh, um, is, um, my son is very passionate about human body, he will try to be a um, medical doctor one day. So we have been watching programs about these two doctor brothers that they uh, explain uh, all uh, how the, the human body works. And I realize it's not the same as being at school and study, you know, these subjects in a lab or doing experiments or things that are completely different. If you if you even laugh with your schoolmates about what they're doing, you know, there is plenty going on. So it's it's really it's really hard for them. I think for teenagers it's really hard. And again, to go back to moms that have to try to cover every little thing. I think it's the amount of stress that moms are living right now is huge as well, because you you can see that things are kind of slipping from everywhere. You've got your homeschooling and you got your own job. And then on top of that, you've got the house. Sometimes you have to really try to get the kids out of the house because in a way, once that they are used to be in, it's really, really hard to get them out, even to go for a walk. And I'm sure everybody is in the same, in the same situation. Or sometimes you have to really try hard and make it strict that they're not allowed to the uh, to use their devices until after school time. So you got all these things going on while you're trying to uh, do your normal normal things. So we should sometimes try to tell ourselves we're no wonder woman in a way. Well, we are. We actually we all are, <laughs> but you know, with, without the superpowers. So we really should try to, you know, expect a bit less from ourselves and look after ourselves. Because actually, if we were talking about the boat before, where moms are the captains. So if you are the captain of the boat, if if you are not there, the boat will sink. So it's important that we take care of ourselves and that we in doing that you know if we feel down if we have any problems we i'm sorry if i keep saying that about asking help but too many times i've seen situation um developing and becoming serious when they could have been avoided asking help at the right time um so that's why i keep i keep repeating myself but i think it's it's it is really fundamental and it's great because 20 years ago, mental health wasn't even as recognized as it is now. Probably 10 years ago, wasn't recognized as it is now. So the amount of help we can get now wasn't available 20 or 10 years ago. So we have really have to, um, you know, it's not hard to find, it's there for us, let's use it. First of all, Barbara, I love these boat metaphors. Absolutely love them. <laughs> it's very clever. <laughs> but second of all, yeah, like what what you were saying about about mums or any any parents that's home teaching at the moment, you know, you can't do everything. Not not even just in terms of homeschooling, working, the house, everything like that. But even just 
schooling like you have specific science teachers and maths teachers and geography teachers like they are trained specially to teach that one subject and for parents like let's just put a pin in everything else you guys have to do for a second and just focus on the schooling to you know you, you simply do not have the expertise or the knowledge to teach all these subjects to the same degree that a teacher would and that's not that's not me sitting here saying like all you know parents are incapable but you're not trained you know it's like you you don't have like i wouldn't know how to teach a geography class i did geography for gcse the only thing i can remember is something about swash and backwash i believe it's called the different way the waves come in and if you ask me to find x in an algebra problem i mean dear lord we'll be here for days so you know you can't you can't be expected to teach everything so i think like what you said just acknowledging what you can do and looking after yourself because it would fry my brain even just trying to figure out how to teach it a secondary school curriculum let alone having to also feed the kids and work and clean the house and everything else that that you guys do so i think you know you are doing an incredible job and if anyone listening to this you know is struggling like barbara said get help but also recognize that you are doing an amazing job like you're absolutely bossing it to even fathom doing any of that it's incredible but in terms of reaching out for help i think it would be a bit beneficial to discuss how we can actually get help i've tried the gp route and i've also referred myself i referred myself for therapy through mind if you literally go on mind's website there's a referral thing you put in your postcode you find which doctor you're registered at you refer yourself you give them a list of your symptoms and kind of how you're feeling and then they'll give you a ring you'll have an initial assessment and then after that they'll they'll discuss which type of therapy you want to go for i went for talking therapy because for me i would i i wanted to see how like understand what it was that was going wrong rather than try CBT because for me it was a why do I feel like this and then after that they'll, they'll refer you to a therapist and through the Sunderland Psychological Wellbeing Service which is the one that I went through you get six weeks and it's free and you can also find private therapists and pay for them you know and if you are in a position to pay for therapy that's absolutely amazing but I know for a lot of people like I certainly couldn't even fathom trying to afford private therapy so that's one option I have been to my GP for mental health and before I go any further I want to say GPs do a fantastic job obviously I work with GPs they're amazing they have so much knowledge and the things they have to deal with and the amount of patients they have it's absolutely incredible and I really you know I couldn't do it and however mental health while there are some GPs that are incredible with mental health I personally would not go back to a GP I went when I was in recovery for my eating disorder and I told them like I think I have body dysmorphia because you know losing all that weight and then gaining back like a stone in in x amount of time especially when you already have body image issues kind of messes you around a little bit so I I went back and I was like oh I think I'm having you know I think I have body dysmorphia like I I really think I'm fatter than I am because I saw myself as just like obese which was not the case at all I was like skinnier than I am now and yeah I went back and I was like yeah I really think I have this blah 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 but yeah, I went and, and she was like, you know, she was really, really nice, lovely woman. But, but she turned around and she was like, well, I think that's normal, you know, with social media these days and a lot of people don't like the way they look. And I was like, yeah, no, no, but like I've, I've, um, and I've lost a lot of weight and I've, I've came back and was trying to explain. She was like, you'll be fine, but make sure you come back if it gets worse. And then obviously I didn't go back because I was just so embarrassed. Like it was just been like thrown out. So I just didn't get any help when I was like recovering which luckily for me it went okay i'm still here but like for everyone that would not have been the case so yeah not not a good experience for me again plenty of amazing gps out there but i just would never go back for it i'm not saying don't get help please get help please go to your gp 
but you know i think it's just you know it's important to highlight that like it's nothing wrong with you and it might just be that it wasn't articulated properly or that doctor doesn't have specialties or you know so if it does get rejected go back for help or try and find different methods but i don't know if anyone else has any uh, sometimes i want to say there are also other other ways that sometimes we just need to feel that we are all, not the only one that that experienced something so sometimes just speaking with other women that have been through exactly the same it can have a good effort you know if you realize that it's not just you that you have to jiggle thousand things and try to get everything done and everybody is in the same kind of position as you that can really help anyway my situation did help i was yeah by myself with three children my husband works away a lot so i found myself during the first lockdown being completely by myself with my children with my family 3000 kilometers away as i said before and it did help having other women in my same situation so i had a group of immigrant women that like me that didn't have any support around them and we would just support each other and sometimes yes that that can be enough obviously if you realize that that is not enough then in that case i will say yes you will need to ask help to your gp and i will say don't always trust non professional because unfortunately in the mental health sector there are loads of people that are not professionally accredited so if you are looking for professional help make sure that they are accredited to one of the professional bodies of course so because one of the problems obviously in this country that many people can call themselves therapists and sometimes they can do more damage a few years ago i i don't know how i ended in this kind of web <laughs> let's call it webs like a spider web because i just ask help uh, to to a therapist to a kneeling therapist and i i will i don't want to sound arrogant but i consider myself uh, let's say average intelligent person and what was happening was all the questions and all the my answers were all directed to blame somebody and never to look into myself about why the situation was as it was and that's not a good approach either you know it's not a professional approach uh, just to find somebody to blame sometimes there is nobody to blame there is nothing to blame it's just a situation it is what it is and we just have to learn how to deal with it and looking inside of us and find the, the answers inside and that's what usually a professional will do will help you find the answer that you cannot find by yourself sometimes you will find it with a, another group of people that is experiencing what you are experiencing sometimes you will find the answer in a book sometimes you will find the answer just meeting with your friends that they've known you forever so they will know exactly what you are like and what's happening to you sometimes instead you you know as i said the professional will help you find and actually it's really interesting i was doing an article on eating disorders and i interviewed a therapist and she actually said that they need more people to train in that area 
she was like there's not there's not enough people training in in eating disorders it's a very specific type of therapy and she said that as a result what was actually happening was people were getting referred just because they really needed the help they were getting referred and, and people didn't have expertise in that area and they went in with the best intentions but they they ended up not helping or making it worse and as well at the moment she said that it's it's so overwhelmed the the eating disorder referrals there is a year to 18 month waiting list and the people who are now getting referred like with emergency have a bmi of like 11 12 13 14 which is absolutely tiny so yeah i mean not not to to make it sound like a really a really dire situation but you know it, it is a very overwhelmed service and that, that there do need to be more people trained and like you said the importance of finding a therapist that can actually help you or specialize in your area but also one that you you click with and you get along with i think that's a really important part of it as well. And I remember when I went to therapy, they said to me, you know, if you don't, if you ever don't like me or don't want me as your therapist, you're allowed to like request a change and like no one's offended because sometimes you just don't click with them. But that is also really important to bear in mind. I mean, I, I think the, the best therapists for me are the ones that really challenge me and push me and really make me not uncomfortable. That's the wrong word to say, but like <laughs> make me really look inside and like answer, answer really difficult questions or, or constantly question things. But yeah, so just finding a therapist that can actually help you, finding someone that's qualified and finding someone that you click with or bond with or, or just that you feel can, can help you. Because that's a really important part of the process. If you don't feel comfortable, or you don't like them, you're not really going to solve any problems because you're not going to be as open and as transparent as you need to be. Yeah. I think that's that's probably nearing the end, but I think we should finish off by saying, again, key points. First of all, you're not alone. Second of all, one in four people, I believe, have mental health problems, so it's really common. Three, get help. Ask for in any, any form that you feel comfortable doing, whether it's going to your GP, referring yourself through charities such as Mind, even researching and looking at resources through things like Mind or the NHS website, talking to friends, talking to family, and during this pandemic especially, really make an effort to reach out. And we know it's not the same over a Zoom call or a Microsoft Teams call, but if you reach out, send a text, send a send a message, have Zoom calls, go for socially distanced walks with people if you're in a position that you can. Keep connected with the people inside your household. I know that sometimes being on lockdown 24-7 with your family members can get a little bit testing, but just talk or find positive outlets for yourself whether that's through a hobby exercise fresh air all these things are really important you know whatever relaxes you like at the moment i've got a lovely candle on in the background quite a lot it smells like cinder toffee in my room it's gorgeous you know have a bath whatever whatever every little thing helps self-care is really important is there anything that you guys do actually on a final point to relax any advice you'd give um for me it's a bit, bit of an odd one but obviously there's like the usual things for me like reading and watching sport but i really really like cooking like massively and in the first lockdown me and my sister would do like themed nights so but like, i don't want to offend barbara but we did an italian night and i think that the tomato sauce i did was absolutely banging barbara's probably going to taste it and be like not quite there but we did like mexican food and stuff like that and just having that as something to look forward to as well because I think it's quite easy with, I'm guessing a lot of people are working from home and stuff. It's quite easy to sort of like blur work and home life together. So it was quite nice to be like on a Friday night at five o'clock, we're all going to sit down. We're going to make all this food, have a couple of drinks. And, and that really helped our family out. And we're thinking about bringing that back for lockdown 3.0. So yeah, maybe try a couple of new recipes because yeah, it's, it's good fun. And if it doesn't turn out all right, you know, you just know not to make that next time. So 
Do you know what you've just you've just put in my mind? An MA come dine with me. It is so oh. happening. Oh totally. Uh, well I think I'm I'm with uh, I'm with Rebecca there. I uh, obviously love cooking and having three boys have been involving them and making so last night we made forty donuts. The only downside of that is that you basically in the first lockdown we gained I gained a stone. They managed to burn it <laughs> off. So now now the problem is try to lose that weight. And I would love to say, oh, you know, what really relaxed me every morning, I wake up at five o'clock and I do yoga. No, unfortunately not. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a morning person either. For me, yes, it really, really helps the 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 the, the cooking together and the having meals all together it also helped we we found that making a weekly menu so that every every day is like looking forward for the the night menu so what what we're gonna have together and what we're gonna make so that really really helped um and is still helping apart from the waistline what's on the menu tonight out of interest <laughs> right tonight is we are having bolognese Nice. Um, yeah, but we're going to do an experimental one. So we are going to make an Italian pie. So with the bolognese, we are going to fill the puff pastry and we're going to make um, an Italian pie. Very experimental. Mm. Oh, I'm very excited. I'm that one. Actually, Barbara, we do the same thing. My mum, it's more for, like she's done it for a while, it's more for like buying food in so she knows exactly what it is, but she goes through her recipe yeah. books. We're having a bolognese tonight, but it's also experimental. But I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. I don't know if I'm gonna like feel the Italian. I'm quite glad like we're over Zoom. It's it's supposed to be like I don't even think bolognese is the right word for this, but it's supposed to be like a pizza pasta. So it's like you right. make like a pasta sauce, but then you put like cheese and pepperoni on the top and you bake it like in the oven. It's like a pasta bake thingy. Yeah. I know, I'll let you how know how it goes. But I was I was I thought it was interesting. But I was quite nervous to tell you that. I was like, oh, no. Everything I like. I don't just cook Italian. We cook anything. We cook Greek and we cook Mexican. So we, we, we like to try everything. And including American donuts last night. So there you are. Yeah, man. <laughs> they sound good. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. That's that's how we we beat try to beat the January blues. Keep keep cooking, keep eating. Eat out a help out, and Barbara. See. Yeah. <laughs> Eat out a help out two in lockdown three We're just recycling yeah. themes now, aren't we? But on that note, that is the end of this episode. But yeah, thank you very much for joining in. I hope you've you know you've enjoyed it and you've learned something. And like we say, please remember to get help, seek help, stay safe, and stay happy, everyone. Thanks for listening.